This episode is proudly sponsored by The Helix, a new innovation district located in New Brunswick, New Jersey, the heart of the Northeast Corridor. The Helix provides a critical ecosystem for innovation by offering a range of physical environments, a vibrant community of leading innovators, and a strategic central location on the Northeast Corridor. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others will all call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations, such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is where ideas will come to life. To learn more, visit helixnj.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights. With your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers insiders, Brian Fonseca and Pat Lenny. Let's start shopping. All right, everybody, welcome back to The Rant. Politi, Fonseca, Lanny, we're all here. Spring game edition of The Rutgers Rant. Not a lovely day in Piscataway, to say the least. Get to the stadium, it was raining sideways. Uh, that's not going to stop the spring game in these days when it is a two-hour infomercial for Rutgers football. And uh, apparently that was pulled off pretty well. BTN did a nice job of the coverage from what everybody told me. Uh, a lot of special guest stars, Brian Leonard, Kenny Britt, just a, a fun time watching Cookies Washington catch a punt at halftime. So uh, the usual fun from the spring game was there. But I want to start here, fellas, uh, because I don't want to forget this. I don't want to miss this. For me, uh, the best story of the spring game was was seeing Reggie Sutton get back on the field. And I, I wasn't there the day he got hurt in September 2021. It was a couple of days before they played Michigan. But, you know, hearing stories from people who were there, just how gruesome an injury that was, needing an ambulance to get him to the hospital you know, just, just to have him out there for, for about 20 snaps, apparently. And just to see his smile afterward, he was just obviously in really good spirits. This is a player that, you know, if you're around this team, you know that that guys really like a lot, Brian. And, and, I, and I think that, that that's just a nice moment for this team, right? To, to have that in the spring camp. No matter what happens from here with him, it was great to see him back. Yeah, it was a great moment. I think as uh, Reggie and Greg mentioned a few times this spring that a lot of people – weren't sure he'd ever come back, get on the field in a game setting. Obviously, it's a spring game, so it's a little different. But still, uh, Evan Simon, when I brought it up to him, he mentioned that Reggie got back to practice uh, a couple weeks ago. And when he did, uh, the entire team it felt you know a bit of an emotional lift to kind of just see him out there after years of him rehabbing on the side, after years, as you described in your column, of him screaming during rehab sessions in the Hale Center. It's a it's a great moment for for everybody around the program to uh, to see that uh, the people that were there. I, I remember uh, Evan Simon telling me that he was he was there that day on September 2021 when I mean just a freak accident um, that turned a kid that was as Greg Schiano said, their best lineman at the time. And who could probably, if he gets back to what he used to be, would be their best lineman now. Um, just kind of stole two years of his 
of his career from him. We don't know if this means he'll play in the fall. I still think there's a decent amount he has to overcome to be able to play in an actual game setting. But you d- you do this journey is through baby steps, and he took a pretty big step this weekend to get on the field. And I think it's a story that you did really well in highlighting, and it shouldn't go uh, without without being noticed uh, through spring ball. Yeah, and, and and two things too, Pat, that, that came to mind. And I like the fact that he won the Frank R. Burns Award, Shiano bringing back these awards that Chris Ash got rid of for no reason that ties that, that ties this to the past of the football program. Big standing ovation when he got that. You know that that's important for for one. And th- and he you know and he told me in a, in a moment that you know he needed not just physical therapy but 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 psychotherapy to just to go through this to to get over the mental roadblocks of playing football again. I mean, he, the kid went through a lot. I guess is is the bottom line. It's a, it's an unbelievable story and one that uh is is like Brian says uplifting is going to make the season special um but you're right like to go through something that devastating and and to work your way back Shiano talked about how much rehab and how much everything and how much hard work he's put in to get back to this point so hats off to a really outstanding kid and uh for persevering through it all like you said mental and physical toughness all right, let's talk about the actual game because there is, uh, and it's it's tough. It's tough to break down. I mean, no, it was just a lot of guys who were important to the defense. Certainly, anybody really who was important to the defense didn't play uh, offensively. You know, I think if you were to look at the players who might be two of the three biggest best receivers didn't play. Your 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 star running back didn't play. Your offensive <laughs> offensive lineman didn't play. Sorry, all of that. It was raining. It, it was a vanilla offense. Let's put a thousand asterisks on this before we begin this discussion about how the quarterbacks did not look great. And I guess there's really no way if you're just assessing what you saw in that game, and that's what you saw. I just like if you were hoping if you were hoping to turn around and go, oh wow, look look at that. You didn't see it, I guess. I don't know. I mean, what was your takeaway overall about that? Am I am I exaggerating this, guys? I didn't think you were ever going to see anyone just come out and light it up uh, right out of the gate anyway. I, I think the nature of spring ball is to hide stuff and not give away too much. Right. Um, but you're right. It was meh. It was meh. Meh. That's, meh that's the best, the best way to describe it. Like, just very vanilla and you got nothing out of it and Greg wasn't saying anything about the offense. So I, I don't know what you could possibly take away from that game. Yeah. I, I guess I wouldn't feel bad about meh if the meh was like, like long throws were inaccurate still. It's it just, they're just not hitting targets. They just don't look like they've got a feel for the offense. I get the offense changed. I get it. You know, the best throw was by the other Gavin. <laughs> I mean, like he had a bullet, uh, the walk on, had a bullet to Gavin up in, into the end zone. I was like, well, gee, that's a nice throw. Um, I don't know. Brian, I might talk me off the ledge here. Is it, is it something you got to be worried about it? You can't, after you, after what happened last season, you got the same two guys. If they don't take a noticeable step up before the first game, I mean, it, it's a thing. Yeah. And I, I think the rain, might have been the saving grace of this team for the spring game because now they have a built-in excuse of why everything was kind of chaotic, right? Because if they have this kind of performance in a, on a sunny spring day, then the alarm bells really go off. So uh, I think the, the rain kind of helped out a bit. I, I think there's not much to take out of it. I agree. The the missed throws from Wimsett were a bit you know, alarming just because they're similar to last year. I mean, I think he missed Christian Dremel by, by about five yards on a short route, one, one play. And Evan Simon got a bit unlucky that, 
three or four of his throws hit the receivers in the hands and they just slipped out. Again, I don't know if that's the rain. I don't know if that's because the receivers, and these are, again, the backup receivers because their top three receivers in the spring didn't play. You know, it's tough to, it's tough to gauge and they didn't really open up the playbook. As you guys said, Um, the thing is like at Alabama, they have one bad spring game, both quarterbacks, and they go out and get the backup quarterback at Notre Dame. Rutgers has a bad spring game with their two quarterbacks who already struggled. And it looks like this is going to be the competition again in the, in the training camp. So uh, not to say that Rutgers should compare itself to Alabama. I just, I don't think it's time to freak out. Saying Peyton Thorne is not coming to Piscataway. Wow. Why not? Let's start that rumor. Come on. Let's get that. Get, let's make that happen. I don't think a starting quarterback in the big 10 is going to uh, make a cross tra- cross conference transfer to Rutgers when he probably had the starting spot locked up at Michigan state. So yeah, I, I think, I think they're going to roll with these two guys. Yeah. I mean, I wrote it, but I wrote it in December that he needed to go out and get a transfer reporter quarterback he did not do it and at the time i was told well you know he you know oh you got enough guys in that room already you know it's just like i I get it but yeah i mean i think that he's rolling the dice in a major way on this like the defense can be better he can have the offensive coordinator and kirk shiraka that he trusts if we're in the same place with quarterbacks the team's going four and eight and get you know I, i guess that's what i come back to and i just don't you know, all right, I will I will take all of the, I get it. I will throw all of the my hands up and say the spring game doesn't matter. The receivers weren't there. Let's get, you know, let's get you know the seam Brantley out there. Let's get the kid from Irvington out there. Let's get the and we'll talk about this in a minute. Let's get the the next transfer portal guy that they're gonna bring in out there. We'll see what happens then. But even then, if you're if you're overthrowing guys by three feet, it's just it's a problem. All right. The way this team is gonna win is going to be an elite defense running the ball about a hundred times. Cause that's what it felt like in the spring game. Yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know if it's because of the rain, but I felt bad for Aaron young, a guy who's <laughs> hurt all year. They make him run 30 times into the middle of the, it's in the middle of the offensive line. Um, yeah. And then the quarterback just has to be good enough. The game manager, not turn the ball over. I think that's been a humongous emphasis in spring ball. Every time Greg has talked, it's like, we didn't turn it over. We didn't turn it over. So I think if, if you can get a quarterback that can manage the game, complete, over half of his passes and not turn the ball over multiple times per game, then they're kind of ahead of where they were last year, which if you think about it is a step in the right direction. There's a great, there's a great moment in the post game. I can't imagine that many of you listen to the, watch the post game uh, with, with when Pat asks, asks Shiano about, so is this what we're going to see from a Chirac offense? And he's like, I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Like, oh, no secret, no secret is going to be revealed here about it. But it was very, certainly very run heavy, a run oriented read option kind of attack. We saw that last year in Minnesota. That's what you're going to get. They want to, they want to, they don't want to turn the ball over. They want to control the clock. I get the whole thing. Right. And that's, and that's what we saw. Absolutely. And uh, the, the no turnovers thing. The, what, I, what I want to go back to, the, the point is, that Gavin Wimsett came in as the highest regarded quarterback in the history of Rutgers football. And this is what we're going to get as a game manager whose goal is to not turn it over is unacceptable. That's the problem. Right. That's the problem. Totally right. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think we've seen a lot of Simon already. I, I, I didn't think he was, I'm still, I, I'm be honest. I was, I'm a little surprised that he's still in, in the program. I get it. Good for him for sticking it out. Um, I don't know that they're going to trust him in a, in a big game. What's behind him? I guess let's look at that. We didn't, I, it was great that they were talking about the freshman on BTN. I mean, it was a moment that, you know, that, uh, Greg's former coach was asking him on live television. What about number 15? We didn't see much from him. 
Yeah, I wonder if that's by design to hide him, or if it's more likely there's not they're not planning to use him at all next season. He's probably going to redshirt, and they didn't want him to get hurt in the spring. I'm not entirely sure, uh, but it doesn't sound like he's in the competition. It really does seem like it's a two horse race. Right. I agree with Brian. I, I think there's a lot of hype around a Johnny Shepard, but I, I haven't gotten any sense that he's in the competition at all either. We should also put some perspective on this. This is a kid that decommitted from old dominion in November and committed to Rutgers in December. It, I, th- I think it's pretty reasonable that he wasn't even enroll early until his high school let him last second. So I think it's uh he's a kid that probably will play unless they have to like last year and the top two quarterbacks get hurt. But Greg sounded pretty upbeat about him when I asked him after the second scrimmage. Um, so maybe a future prospect, but I would not expect to see him this year. So we're back at the state. We're back at the spot where this is real. And this is why Greg's paying Kirk Shiraka $1.4 million to, to build an offense that will hide this team's uh, hide this team's, you know, problems. And I think that's, that's something he's going to have to figure out. And it's hard to hide a quarterback. That's inaccurate uh, that you, you don't trust to throw the ball. So we're going to see what he comes up with. He's got four months to he's got four months to do it in a full a full summer before, of course. And this is the problem: the most important game is the first game. <laughs> there's no like there's no there's no season that goes well if you lose to Northwestern in the opener. So that's it's kind of there's a lot of pressure on uh, to get that done in the summer. All right. So one thing that came out of this, and I thought it was fascinating that that again, Greg Chan is usually pretty uh, tight with the information, as you guys are or acutely aware of to come out and just kind of say on live television again, that they're, there's, they're still in the portal looking for, looking for players um, wide receiver and uh, safety are the positions. I mean, wh- what do you think is going to happen here? Are they, uh, uh, what, what, what are we to see as far as adding people? This, this roster is not a finished product. So Greg was on the big 10 network on Thursday and he said that they were going to try to add one, maybe two wide receivers out of the portal. So that's clearly the priority there. Uh, and then the other positions they could, you could kind of, again, Greg was very secretive and said it was private to kind of what they're pursuing. I think mm-hmm. you could kind of put the pieces together and figure out they could really use a tight end uh, because they, that room struggled a lot last year and they haven't added anybody. Um, they could use, as you said, a safety. They get, they probably have their two starting safeties now, but if they find someone talented that they could add to the room, I think they would take that. And uh, an offensive tackle, because uh, you lose J.D. Dorenzo, you lose Willie Tyler. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could probably use some depth there. And that unit was pretty thin already last year. So um, that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of bodies to add. And at a point in the portal where we're in the second window, most – I mean, you could saw at Michigan State, they lost three starters yesterday. But that's probably the exception, not the rule. Most guys that are very talented and entering the portal probably already have entered – so you're kind of going to a shallow pool of talent, but they need bodies. So uh, we'll see. I would be very surprised if they didn't add at least one wide receiver. I wouldn't be surprised if they added two. And I kind of think they at least one of those other positions they bolster them. Be- but without a doubt, they do need updates, uh, upgrades. All right. So that would leave you right now, receivers. So this team, Brantley, Western Illinois transfer injured his ankle uh, at the end of last year. He'd be back. He, I've been told he, he'll be he'll be healthy for the opener for for the camp. That's important. Fama Ture from Irvington, really high on this kid. I think I saw him in his Letterman jacket at the game. So that's that's a good sign that he's around. Receiver wise, Pat. I mean, what what else are we looking at this? Pro- they, they raved about Isaiah Washington for the for the third straight spring. Essentially, that he's had they he had a great job. Um, you know, I guess uh, Christian Dremel. Well, he wasn't he the most improved player. I mean, g- give me a sense. For we, yeah, give me a sense and, of what we got receiver wise. Yeah, and then you also had Max Patterson who caught the two touchdown passes uh, in the game. 
um, Christian Dremel you talked about, um, and then Rashad Rochelle is a guy who's had a lot of hype in the spring because he can do a lot of different things. He can run the ball. He can, you know, you saw him last year run the wildcat. He's probably going to be a slot guy. Um, so those are three names. And yeah, I think they're kind of high on Nassim Brantley because if you remember, everyone says, Oh, you know, he's a deep, you know, FCS guy. He hasn't played in the, in the big time yet, but he had a, a pretty good game against Minnesota had a couple catches for like 50 something yards against Minnesota when Western Illinois played Minnesota. So he's got the size, he's got huge hands. And I think that he's probably going to be the number one receiver. I mean, but just, and the one position group they are the most comfortable with is running back. And again, again, yeah, we didn't, we didn't see Sam Brown. Um, You know, we saw Aaron Young who looked really good. You know, I think they've got a lot of depth there and I think they've got some youth coming in there too. So if this is a run first, team brian this is going to be you know they're comfortable with that yeah i think they're very happy that aaron young is uh, healthy again i think he could really add a lot to that room sam brown obviously we saw what we saw last year out of him uh i i do think uh it's probably best to uh, push back pull back expectations not because of anything that happened with sam not because of his injury but if you really think about it he had one big game against indiana right and he had flashes before that i think it'd be unfair to the kid and I think we've done this a lot throughout the offseason to kind of hail him as, you know, I don't know, Mo Ibrahim or like this savior running back that can, you know, transform the offense. I mean, he's, he's proven that he's a good running back. He's full of potential. I just don't know if we should. It was not fair to the kid to treat him as Barry right. Sanders. Right. But, yes, he is a he's, he has a chance of being one of the better running backs in the Big Ten. And then you add guys depth wise. I mean, Kyle Manunga is a great a guy at the death piece you have uh jay sean benjamin a freshman who had a little bit uh showed a little bit in the spring game and there's uh another guy who i can't even the shifty um, guy the shifty running back al shadi salam al shadi yeah, salam there you go so th- just to show how deep that room goes um i can't even remember the fourth guy so uh yeah i think that's gonna be their position of strength and if they're gonna have any success offensively uh they're gonna have to run the ball and run the ball very well all right, let's shift to basketball really quick before we do some insider questions. The news that I guess everyone was expecting, Benadongo decommits from the basketball program, you know, opening up his recruitment. It puts Steve Peichel in an interesting position, Brian, and in that experience the Heldridge Hotel, a luxury hotel that's perfect for both the business and leisure traveler. Ideally located within minutes of Rutgers University, the Heldridge is convenient to all the action and activities at SHI Stadium, Jersey Mike's Arena, and the Rutgers University campus. The moment you walk through the doors of the Heldridge Hotel and Conference Center, you know you're someplace different. A place with an independent spirit and a boutique vibe. A place where you can immerse yourself in your meeting or event as easily as you can the local culture. Located in the heart of the city, the Heldridge lets you experience all that New Brunswick has to offer. Whether you're coming to New Brunswick for a fun weekend with friends, in town for a Scarlet Nights game, or attending a business meeting, book your accommodations today at theheldridge.com. You know, if Cliff Omori stays in the draft or goes to play in Europe, which is a possibility, who's centering? You're centering this team. Like who's setting? Like you've already lost your backup centers playing for Hartford now. I mean, what this this is an interesting. I'm, for, I'm sorry for Charlotte now. This is an interesting situation uh, with the depth in the front court. Yeah, the Bandago thing I think was kind of just bubbling under the surface for a while, and by the time he decommitted, it was a bit of a formality. I think the Rucker staff knew what was coming. Uh, it sounds like Carl Hobbs and Georgia Tech are uh, leaders for him, which would make sense because Carl Hobbs was his main recruiter at Rutgers. Um, I don't know if Carl Hobbs leaving 
is the reason why he decommitted from Rutgers. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying uh, it looks like he's headed to Georgia Tech. Uh, or I should say I would not be surprised if he goes to Georgia Tech. They're in a bit of a – they're doing a dance right now. I mean, they've kind of done this dance the last couple of years with guys that are in the draft. They're weighing it out with Cliff. They're going to save a scholarship for him. Uh, and my understanding still is that Cliff is going to run the whole race, and he hasn't until May 31st, so he has another 30 days, uh, and they're going to wait it out. They're, I'm sure they're in constant communication, and they all have an idea of kind of where he's leaning there. Uh, I would – Still expect Cliff to be back next year because if he's not, they're in very, very deep trouble uh, at, at the center position. I think, uh, and it, when you're trying to, you know, reinforce against that, you're talking to kids in the portal that you could add. And the first question is always going to be, what's Cliff going to do? What's the minute situation going to be? So, and you can't tell the kid either way until Cliff decides. So they're, they're, in a, they're in a bit of a pickle. So I don't know what the solution is. I do think they need to add at least one more body regardless of what Cliff does, just to replace whatever Bandongo would be, uh, whether that's the backup big, whether that's a backup four, whether that's the third big. Um, and they'll probably have to do that through the portal. It's probably way too late to add a, a high school kid. So we'll we'll, we'll, we'll see that. The, the roster is very much in flux. Uh, they're still trying to add a third assistant to replace Carl Hobbs, which that process will probably to run past Memorial Day as well. Um, I think all, a lot of the pieces, there's a lot of moving pieces here. And um, I'm not quite sure where everything will fall, uh, but it's uh, Steve Peichel is not in an enviable position. That's for sure. Right. They did get some good news. Andre Hyde coming back for another year. He's, he's just a glue guy who certainly uh, has helped uh, play many different positions and sort of underrated piece for that team. Um, are we worried yet? Or is it still too early to be worried? I wouldn't be worried necessarily. I guess it depends on what your expectations are. Like if, if this is a program that now has to make the NCAA tournament every year, I'm not sure this is an NCAA tournament team right now. Uh, but if you get Cliff back, if you get Paul back, which I, I would also expect and you uh, Bandongo decommitting is going to be the reason they don't make the NCAA tournament. Right? right. I don't think, I don't think it's time to worry just yet. And I think that the, the comfort here is that if they do have a tough season in, in 23, 24, I'm not saying they will. I'm just saying if they do, Right around the corner is the 24-25 season where you have Ace Bailey, a top 10 kid. You may have Dylan Harper. You have uh, a second-year Gavin Griffiths. There's a lot to be looking forward to as a Rutgers fan. That would soften the blow of any uh, a tough season, but um, no, I would not panic just yet. All right, dive into some insider questions. We've got a lot of them. Of the 30 questions we've got, 28 of them are on the same topic, but that's okay. We know what you want to talk about. We're... We're all about that. So thanks for subscribing. Thanks for participating in our podcast. But first one, any chance Rutgers takes a quarterback transfer out of the portal? Are you confident in Wimsat or Simon if Wimsat gets hurt? So this is this is the theme of all of them. Pat, it used to be that the most popular player in any college football program was the backup quarterback. Now the most popular player is a quarterback who's not even on campus. This is... I think the answer is no. I think it's too late. I think there's nobody in there who they could bring in who would come in at this point knowing that he would be you know essentially a backup quarterback i just don't think that's that's gonna happen do you agree i agree and i think they're the, the whole as you as we talked about kirk shiraka developing gavin wimsett and evan simon that that's been the goal from day one so if you're gonna bring in a, another guy to to challenge them i don't think it makes sense i think they have a legitimate competition and that's putting the pressure on gavin to, to keep his job so I don't think there's a quarterback out there that Rutgers is going to get. All right. Peter from Palm City, Florida. Are the arm strength of Wimsett versus Simon isn't even close. 
accuracy about the same. Wimsat is the better athlete by far. Why is this a close competition? That that sounds like Shiano speech. Speak. What am I missing? Um, I think it's, it might just be as simple as the fact that Wimsat hasn't pulled away. I mean, that could be the answer. Brian, what do you think? Yeah, I, I'd say so. Um, uh, Greg had a comment uh, in his press conference that said when they sit down with he, he Kirk Schrock, and the staff are to sit down in a couple weeks to kind of digest the spring ball and discuss the situation. And it sounded like he said, uh, I don't have the, let me pull up the exact quote. It was something like, we will know uh, pretty quick here, the pecking order. So it sounds like they know which way they're leaning. I wouldn't expect them to publicly announce which way they're leaning anytime soon. I agree in the sense that Wimsett is the more athletic quarterback. He didn't run it much at all on Saturday. And Wimsett ran it about, uh, not Wimsett, Simon ran it about four or five times. Um, again, is that them hiding something? Is that just the way the game flowed? I don't know. But I, I agree. And I think, I, I would say that what they, what the staff knows privately is not necessarily what they say publicly. So right. I think yeah. they, I think they know what trade they're leading. If uh, if there was a, reg, a legitimate one versus two horse race here, why did Gavin start the last five games of the season while right. Simon on the bench? Right, like yes. Simon has to come out and just overwhelmingly be the stud quarterback to take the job away. So I uh, I think it's always been a behind the closed doors. They know that Gavin's the guy. Right. Uh, I agree with that. Totally. You're, you make a, you both make a great point. Um, but until he says otherwise, we're, we'll, we'll have to go, go along with it. That it's a competition. All right. So uh, another question with the uh, quarterbacks, optimism in your overall team is a good thing, but when the, in the key player, the key player on that team is a question mark uh, and not up to the level of big 10 signal caller. Um, the season will be another disappointment and goes right down to this. Is Seattle confident in Shepard? If one of the others go down, we're back to Johnny Shepard. I, I mean, I don't know. You, you mentioned it before, Brian, just keep coming out of Old Dominion. It's hard to put a lot of, I mean, decommitting from Old Dominion. It's hard to put a lot of stock into him as a freshman. Um, I think it's, I think it's gotta be one of these two guys. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think you could depend on a Johnny Shepard to come in as a true freshman. I mean, we saw what Gavin Wimsett was as a true freshman, as this highly touted quarterback it, to, right. to expect a Johnny Shepard to be better than he is now is just not realistic. All right. Punting question. How about this? Um, hey, guys, I'm curious to know if your thoughts on life after Corsac. Uh, who's going to be the punter this year? How much confidence does the team have in him? And does Corsac increase the level of punting recruits Rutgers is getting? So this is this is funny. That's great. This is a handpicked Corsac handpicked this punter who hunts like him, looks like him. I mean, give, give me the punting breakdown, Pat. What what are we looking at uh, it, this year in post post Corsac world? Well, you hit on it. Flynn Appleby was actually pretty famous in Australian football. That's one thing that people should know. Like he's like a, was a legitimate professional, good player in Australia. And uh, Adam Corsack was his mentor and kind of brought him over. But I don't know. I haven't seen what we saw in the spring game. It was I can't say I was watching the punting all that much, but I think it's going to be tough. Life after Corsac is going to be tough. It's not. It's not going to be the same. I think Flynn Appleby is going to be a good punter, but he's not going to be Corsac good. Yeah, it's, how could you be Corsac good? Corsac was one of the best in the country. For it's just he's he's not irreplaceable, but it's it's certainly at that level. It's going to be hard to replace. Uh, I'm a little surprised. Has have I missed it? Has Adam Corsac caught on anywhere yet? At NFL wise, he has not. As far what's, as I've seen, what is going on there? We have any? I, I mean, I I didn't. I was not surprised that he wasn't drafted. You know, not anything against him. It's just that punters, you know, it's not all that common for punters to get drafted. But I am a little surprised he's not with a team yet. 
Yeah, I, I'm not sure if the style of punting is a factor here. I know he said he worked on NFL style punts and he showed it at the combine. Um, but it's tough to you know watch a guy Australian style kick for five years and think he can do it in the NFL at a job that's already you know there's only 32 starting punting jobs. It's a very high it's a very high risk uh, position. I thought what was interesting is that the Patriots uh, took Michigan State's punter over Adam Korsak. Uh, I thought that was a bit of a betrayal. And I thought uh, I, I, it's I was a betrayal It's a betrayal of, you know, the, Bill Belichick loves Rutgers guys. And now you have the greatest punter in program history and you take another big 10 punter. I thought that was um, I thought that was a betrayal. And I was surprised Greg Shiano didn't grab the podium and throw it in disgust uh, over that. But um, yeah, I, I think I, I would have to think he'll get a rookie minicamp tryout somewhere or something. Uh, right. I just can't imagine his NFL journey is over before it starts. Um but I can't say I'm you know, shocked that he didn't get drafted. Yeah, it seems like he will land at a camp somewhere. All right, let's break down. We hadn't, we should have done this earlier, but one Scarlet Knight drafted, uh, a bunch of Scarlet Knights landing on teams. Just g- give me, give me the breakdown of of the basic uh, the basic numbers here for for Knights in the NFL. So Christian Broswell got drafted in the sixth round by Jackson by uh, Jacksonville. I don't think it's a surprise that he got drafted. I think it, I was a bit surprised he got drafted as high as he did, 202nd, higher than Isaiah Pacheco and Bo Melton both last year. Um, but I, I think he had impressed scouts during the draft process, and a couple of teams really liked him. Uh, according to our friend Bobby Darren at 247 Sports, he had uh, reported that a couple of times, and he was right on the money. He's, he, he told people to watch out for Christian Broswell, and he nailed it. Um, and then... Guys that got UDFAs, Avery Young was the first. He signed with San mm-hmm. Francisco. Sean Ryan signed with Baltimore. Aaron Cruikshank signed with Chicago. Uh, MyJ signed with Seattle. And Christian Izian signed with Tampa Bay. So really spread out throughout the entire country, throughout the NFL. I think a couple of these guys probably have good chances of making rosters. I think Christian Izian was a guy we thought could get drafted. I think he has a chance. They're, they're in good positions to make rosters. Right. And I think that after watching what Isaiah Pacheco and Bo Melton were able to do last year, it's encouraging. All right, a couple quick basketball questions, uh, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, this is a good one. How about Coach Washington? Someone noticed Coach Washington catching um, uh, catching the ball. It's great stuff. Uh, she catches the punt at the spring game and lands another one, uh, lands another former highly rated transfer. What are the needs for the women's basketball team, and are they attainable? Uh, Pat, I mean, were you impressed with uh, her uh, her ball hawking ability there in the rain? Absolutely. You got the personal coaching from Kenny Britt. Then you see the clip. It's great. There's a clip where like, she says, I got no coaching at all from you. <laughs> she, like, <laughs> she like shuts him down. All you've yeah. told me is just catch the ball. It was great. It was very and, funny on social media. Here's a Rutgers insider exclusive. The Ooh. day before on th- actually two days before on Thursday, she was taking punts from Adam Corsack in the stadium as for preparation. Cokies wow. Washington. Wow. So I was there working on a, uh, post uh practice article and i saw stuff you'll only hear you'll only hear here she she was not leaving it up to chance no no she trained for this that's so that's all you need to know about coach washington i think she's she's thorough she's doing a great job and yeah um in terms of the specific needs of the of the of the team i think they're they're pulling in like you said another great transfer to go along with destiny adams uh they have the big scorer from last year so i i think they're in pretty good shape yeah, they need they need a little bit of everything depth. Obviously, there was not much left in that program. But I will say this, and it's it comes back to like the synergy in the athletic department. This uh, I get it. Steve Vivian Stringer was a different 
uh, type of coach, Hall of Famer, someone who wasn't gonna, you know, wasn't gonna do this stuff. And I, I think it's kind of cool now that you've got, I don't know, you've got more of a synergy with that program. It's been it's been folded back into the athletic department. <laughs> in a way. So we'll see what happens if she's got, you know, if she can turn it around, if the team takes a step next year, that's, that's a good thing. Uh, all right. Um, some men's basketball, Brian, someone wants to know, is Papa Conte still a real possibility? I think the answer is no, but you did a nice breakdown of how the recruits are did during the, the spring. Tell us about that. I would be surprised if Papa Conte landed at Rutgers Got a lot of SEC schools around him. I think we mentioned this on the last pod. Um, Nate Oates of Alabama went to go see him in person a couple of days after he uh, got out of his NLI at Michigan. So I would I would be a bit surprised. I'd be really surprised, actually, if Papa Conte ended up at Rutgers. Rutgers, uh, the commits and targets, I've been kind of tracking how they do at the Nike EYBL, which is the biggest AAU tournament on the circuit. Rutgers target Dylan Harbor, as one could <laughs> expect, a pretty big uh, individual couple of weekends. He's averaging something like 18 points per game. He's shooting 50%. Uh, he's be, he's leading his team. His team is struggling, surprisingly. The Rens, they're, they were probably one of the better teams in that group, and they're struggling. They're two and six. But Dylan Harper is having incredible individual performances. Uh, Lathan Somerville, the recent Rutgers commit, uh, had a huge game against Dylan Harper's team, uh, something like 14 points. Uh, Delquan Warren is getting steals all over the place, so he's really fitting that Steve Peichel defensive guard. And Ace Bailey plays not on the EYBL. He plays on like, some different independent circuits, so I don't have stats on him. But it seems like every weekend he has some sort of highlight dunk or block or some crazy play going on. So uh, I don't know how many points he's scoring, but I do know he looks pretty good on the court. So and we have no new news because we get asked this every every week. We have no new news on Dylan Harper. It's still the same. Very good chance of catching him, of getting him, uh, but nothing has changed, right? As far as I know, same old, same old, same old, same old. Uh, all right. Thanks for the questions, everyone. Good stuff. As always, hope we we give you as much as we can give you on football without uh, uh, getting in Coach Shannon's doghouse. Um, all right. What uh, what other sports? We done? We had um, lacrosse season over? Baseball season still going? What can you tell me? Men's lax is done. They lost in the Big Ten tournament, and they're probably not going to get in a large bid. Um, women's lax is probably done. They've lost Probably. in the Big Ten tournament as well. Uh, Don't like sixty-four teams get into the women's lax tournament. They're not going to get at large, really. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I would be because I think you have to be five hundred. Ah, I think they gotcha. lost uh, in the semifinals, okay. and that prevents them from being five hundred. And baseball's still going on, and softball as well. I think both of them are still kind of in the hunt. Uh, right. There's still some decent amount of season left. Excellent. Any other wrestling news? Wrestling transfers? Wrestling news. They got a, another transfer, Jacob Butler, middleweight. So. Added some depth there, potential starter. And uh, the big uh, Chris Cannon was a target. He committed to Michigan yesterday, so you can cross that one off. He was a hopeful for Rutgers, uh, mm. two-time All-American, went to Michigan. And then the big fish out there is still Shane Griffith, two, the uh, national champion from Stanford, who uh, told me that Rutgers is a potential, and uh, I'll be in touch with him up until he makes his decision and have an update with, with Shane Griffith uh, at some point soon. Breaking news coming soon. All right, gents, anything I'm forgetting? Anything last thoughts here? I don't know. When is, when's our next podcast going to be? Who knows? Whenever you want to see us again. Right. Yeah. You were not, I forgot to mention this. You guys were salty about me being there. Like I, at one point Lanny says to me, looks, I forget. I, I think I was, I think I was judging you harshly because you didn't give me an, a good list of players who weren't in the yes. game. Yes. 
Which I, I didn't. The entire defense didn't play. All right, I'm right. sorry. And then you said, "Go back, go back to your Devils game, Pulitty." Like, wow, my goodness, just shot me, just it pushed me right out of the press box. I mean, I thought it was going to be more important: Devils game six or the Rutgers spring game. <laughs> well, yes, both. We did both, which was which was fun. That was incredible, an incredible doubleheader, Steve. You got to give yourself a pat on the back. I mean, this guy. For you guys that out there that don't know, this guy shows up in the spring game pouring rain. He has shoe covers for when he goes out to walk across the field. He puts shoe covers over his sneakers so they don't get wet. <laughs> Only because caucus I couldn't sit. If you're going to a hockey game, you can't have wet shoes. It would be a miserable four. And those games can last, as hockey fans know. They could last until like two in the morning and like. 60 degrees, you get pneumonia in there. I had to be dry. Yeah. Shoe, it was, covers. Yeah. shoe covers. Shoe covers. Shoe covers, yes. Were, uh, yeah, they weren't stylish. Okay, I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. It wasn't the best look that I've ever had, but you got to you gotta make do here. Uh, game seven tonight, I don't know what to expect. It's like, it's it, this is just a wild playoff, guys. I mean, you know, we've already, you've already seen Colorado go out, defending champs. Boston had the best regular season in many, many, many years. The NHL was gone. Um, yeah, I mean, if the Devils win this one, it could be uh, a joke that the uh, the ice groundhog sees six weeks, sees his shadows, six more weeks of hockey. But we'll uh, we'll see what happens tonight. It'll be fun. The Devils were playing on Saturday, like they were in the spring game too. Just for the record, yes, uh, <laughs> good one. Good. Devils in seven. I think Devils win tonight. Devils in seven. Pat, what's your Let's pick? Go. Let's go, Devils jersey. Devils in seven. Devils in seven. All right, I'm going to go with the Rangers in overtime. Devil overtime. <laughs> But find a two-syllable how we how we call a two-syllable name to call out. It's gotta like be like Mattel. Who's gonna be? We'll fit into that. Kreider, Kreider. No, it doesn't rhyme. It doesn't rhyme the same. But we'll see what happens. No, it doesn't work either. All right, fellas. Thanks for this. Good job. Good job to all of our uh, texters. Thank you to Devco, of course. We appreciate it. We'll be back soon to talk some more Rutgers sports. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com slash insider.